The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 120 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. I'm your host. I'm a physician. I was trained in Britain. I live in Canada and I've worked in the US. And since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is Seniors in Need, Caregivers in Distress. Now, as many, many guests to this show have confirmed, family caregivers face numerous challenges, which too often exhaust them physically, mentally, and financially. So when a major national organization, the Health Council of Canada, produces a major report and titles it Seniors in Need, Caregivers in Distress, family caregivers are deeply interested in what it says. So to discuss the report, Seniors in Need, Caregivers in Distress, in Distress, my guest is John Abbott. Now John is Chief Executive Officer of the Health Council of Canada. His prior experience includes Deputy Minister of Newfoundland and Labrador's Department of Health and Community Services, where he oversaw the reorganization of the province's system of regional health authorities and the expansion of the provincial drug program to meet the needs of low-income families and those with high drug costs. He's also had held the positions of Assistant Secretary to the Treasury Board, Associate Deputy Minister of Health and Community Services, Chairman and CEO of the Newfoundland and Labrador Housing Corporation, Deputy Minister of Works, Services and Transportation, and Deputy Minister of Municipal and Provincial Affairs. He holds a BA degree in Political Science and Economics and an MA in Public Administration. And his services in Newfoundland and Labrador were recognized by the Lieutenant Governor's Award for Excellence in Public Administration by the Institute of Public Administration in Canada. So, welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you, Gordon, and I'm certainly looking forward to the conversation today. So, here we go. First question. Now, please tell us a bit more about your background, your career, and work in healthcare. And in particular, do you have any personal experience with family caregiving? Well, Gordon, thanks uh, for the uh, early introduction. And one of the areas that I worked on while I was uh, Deputy Minister in Newfoundland and Labrador was certainly around the whole area of uh, home care, home support, uh, long-term care. Uh, the government uh, is still grappling and will, con- I guess, continue to grapple with uh, with issues to serve a population of, in Newfoundland is roughly 514,000 people. So, like Newfoundland, all 
provinces in, and territories in Canada are certainly challenged by the issues of our of our aging and uh, growing seniors population, which was sort of the focus of our report. Um, and in my consulting work and in other uh, fields of endeavor, and certainly my work here at the Health Council of Canada, the whole issue of home care and family caregiving has, is certainly uh, top of mind and be, has become a big uh, big priority for, for me and the work I do. On a personal level, uh, yes, uh, I have been uh, a family caregiver uh, to my uh, to my wife for a number of years. She had been quite ill, and uh, I was a primary caregiver, and was you know charged with sort of organizing and and helping her manage her care with uh, uh, with with the healthcare system and with other family uh, members, and also uh, I have uh, elderly. Uh, uh, relatives, uh, where I was also the uh, primary uh, caregiver, and uh, so through that experience, have uh, have learned a lot, and uh, I know I have a lot yet to learn. Thanks, John. Next one. Now, please tell us about the Health Council of Canada and its purposes. Well, the Health Council of Canada is, you know, sort of a relatively new agency uh, on the national scene in in Canada. It was set up in late 2003 by the Prime Minister and the Premiers of the day. And its role, and and since then, has been to uh, monitor and report out to Canadians and, and their governments uh, on the issues uh, that are emerging in, in the healthcare field. So we address such issues as what's happening in primary health care, what's happening in home and long-term and continuing care, what's happening around pharmaceutical management, and to let Canadians know what the governments have committed to, do, to doing in this area, what progress has been achieved, and where there are remaining gaps. And we sort of act as an accountability uh, uh, sort of agency for uh, um, for and on behalf uh, of governments. And uh, we've been, uh, as you can appreciate, uh, quite busy uh, over the years, and and uh, have a, 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 man- a mandate that I guess that will continue for some time to come. So would it be fair then to say that the primary audience for reports such as the one we're going to talk about and the other things you do are the governments in Canada would, would well, that be right uh, I think we certainly say we could probably got a, I, I always say we have a dual audience we certainly have to report to governments to uh, as our first reporting entity shall we say and uh, and they're also a very a significant player in the development of our reports because they hold the bulk of the data and information that that we need to do our analysis but we're also very focused on making sure that the public has uh, a better understanding of the key healthcare issues that uh, they, that the country is facing, that they are facing on an individual basis, and of course, as ultimately in Canada, they are the as taxpayers are the payers for our system. So they need to have more information to be more engaged on on the issues. So the issue around that we have here now uh, is uh, is an example of that. Which takes us to the report: seniors in need, caregivers in distress. John, it refers to caregivers family caregivers, informal caregivers, and personal service workers. That's in various parts of the report. Let's start, please, by asking you to explain these titles and to give us examples of who these people are and examples of the caring that they provide to seniors. John? 
Yes, well, Gordon, the the whole report here is really speaks of you know two two parts of of the uh, equation around uh, home care. Obviously, the care that is required. Our focus in this report was on for seniors uh, and the care that they receive or in many cases aren't receiving. And the other side of this, uh, which is really the uh, what we've discovered uh, through very detailed research is the important role that family caregivers uh, provide. And uh, so in any one day, in any one week, we know that the family caregiver is the, the, really the main provider of care for seniors that, that require care. Uh, and in terms of, of caregivers, so first and foremost, we have the, the family caregiver. And generally what we mean here is a member of the immediate family is generally, usually a spouse, Usually, the 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 wife uh, who is providing care. If not, it would be an adult child. Again, usually uh, the daughter who would be providing care to one or both of uh, her parents. That's the, the the general take there. And there's quite a significant number of family caregivers. Uh, I think in Canada. In 2007, uh, we've identified through some research around 2.7 million family caregivers uh, age 45 and older, and that's in 2007. Five years later, we can expect that that probably number is closer probably to 3 million. Then we have what we often refer to as informal caregivers. That's usually uh, referred to as a family friend or neighbor who periodically would provide care uh, transportation, come in and assist uh, at some activity in around around the household, uh, may be uh, paid for that service, maybe not. Uh, then we have such things as personal service workers. Uh, there are individuals who would come usually for pay to to some uh, work around the house or to help with bathing, those kinds of uh, uh, issues, and then we would probably have uh, nurses, uh, home care nurses, who would come in and provide medical and related uh, nursing services. So there is quite uh, a number of individuals, and there are others. There are case workers that could be involved. So it's quite a number of uh, actors that are involved in caring for for our seniors uh, when the, when they are at at home. Right. So would it be fair to say then that the family caregivers and some of the informal caregivers are the unpaid group, whereas the others, like the personal service workers, tend to be the paid group? Is that, is yeah. that right? That would be uh, that would generally how we would, would see it. And uh, the, the personal care service worker, sometimes referred as a home care worker or a home support worker, uh, and they may be contracted uh, uh, individually by a family or through a uh, uh, home care or home support uh, agency. Now, this is a little bit of a provocative question, but I just wonder if the a title then of the report should really be, John, Seniors in Need, Family Caregivers in Distress, uh, in that I think the picture is that considering the financial situation and considering all the other things that it's the family caregivers who basically are bearing um, if not an undue burden then certainly a major burden what, what do you think 
I would I would think you're uh, I would agree with that, and the the bulk of our report really does speak to uh, the the family uh, caregiver and recognizing there are others, but certainly the the bulk of the care is provided by a family uh, fa- family member and usually a spouse. Right. Now we're going to be talking a lot more um, about the kind of support that they need, but just let me ask you this question. You presumably in your study um, talked with the family caregivers as you and I understand them and got stories from them. First of all, am I correct in that assumption? Oh, yes, and uh, we were able to, as we released the report, uh, have some of the family members uh, that we we talked to to develop some videos uh, and uh, to accompany our report because uh, the report can tell you one thing, uh, but the uh, the human the human story uh, told literally from the heart really uh, captures the essence of what we uh, really are talking about here. You see, I would want to agree with you most strongly on that because it is the stories um, that really tell tell everything. Statistics, of course, are necessary for planning and that kind of thing. But hearing people talk, as I have done over the past 120 episodes or 119 episodes, has really brought home to me. And, you know, I was a physician and therefore not really very much in understanding of the things that were going on. The stories brought home to me what it was these people are doing and the value that they bring. May I just ask you quickly, did you find yourself having that sort of experience when you were listening to and reading what the family caregivers were saying? Oh, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, since the report is out and it's only uh, literally a week old, uh, I've had quite a number of people come up to me in public uh, to, again, uh, you know, acknowledge the report, thank us for bringing it to the, to the public's attention, and uh, to talk uh, about their, how the issues we raised uh, resonate with them and their family situation today. And so, it, you know, both is a, is a, a timely t- topic for sure, uh, but is a very personal one. And uh, I think uh, policymakers and governments uh, have to keep that in mind as they're uh, dealing with these, uh, these issues. And um, that, I think, means that governments ha- have to listen perhaps more intently than they have to, than they have done previously, uh, about the stresses and strains and the distress, as you use the word, uh, on family caregivers, um, because otherwise, uh, maybe we're being unfair to some very hardworking people. Um, just a quick, am I, do you think, on targeting what I've just said to you? Oh, I think so. This, this uh, again, not to distinguish between other uh, healthcare issues in and the degree of uh, of how they're received and how governments and and politicians and policymakers need to 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 deal with it. But in this case, uh, I think it is very fair to say that the if you come at it from the perspective of the of the of the, of the you know the person in need in in care. And the, and the family giver, uh, caregiver and, and, and come at it from their, their point of view, uh, you will uh, find yourself probably at a different place when it comes to designing uh, policies and programs to support them. And I think that really needs to, uh, to happen here to really change the, 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 the channel or the, disc, the, the channel of the discourse uh, to really make an improve, the improvements we see that are necessary. Right. And on that point, we're going to 
take the break because, as I always say, we do have to pay the rent as well. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is John Abbott. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and John Abbott. Our topic is Seniors in Need, Caregivers in Distress. So let's talk more about family caregiving and family caregivers. So John, what, how would you describe the current state of family caregiving in Canada, and how does it compare with that in other countries? Well, you know, a very good uh, question, and one of the things I think we found through our research and we have outlined in the report is that we have been able to identify, you know, obviously the number of hours of, uh, of, uh, of care that family caregivers are actually pro- pro- uh, providing in the uh, uh, in this country, at least for five of the reasons that we looked at, and we know that they are, uh, you know, providing the bulk of the care. So, on average, uh, we see that uh, care required is in the neighborhood of 24 to 29 hours, if we were at sort of moderate level of need, as it were. 
and that uh, the family caregiver provides up to 24 hours of that uh, care. So uh, that's that's uh, that's sort of an example there. Uh, other countries, it, it, it varies, and, uh, and and others have different programs and and, and funding in place to uh, to in fact provide more hours. In some cases, less hours. And uh, as the care needs go up in this country, uh, there is additional care provided again, but most of that care is uh, is provided by the family caregiver, and that could be up to 30, 40 hours a week. And we know in some cases it's almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So there's quite a range here, and it depends on obviously the the the, the need uh, for the in this case the senior or other family member requiring care. Right. Still on the same question, state of family caregiving. As you know, there's something that's called in healthcare double duty family caregiving, where nurses in particular, but it applies to all uh, healthcare personnel, are, so to speak, in their day shift providing professional care to people, and then they go home to what is in effect the night shift providing family caregiving um, to the members of their family. Is that something that you took into account in your survey of family caregiving? Uh, it didn't. Uh, I know the examples that, uh, that you uh, refer to. It, now, it didn't come out specifically in, uh, in our analysis, but uh, it, you know, the issue uh, is real, uh, and using a, a nurse uh, who is working during the day or night shift and coming home to have to provide for uh, a spouse or elderly parent. Uh, take, definitely takes its toll and raises the question about their ability to perform their professional duties uh, as well. So we've got to be uh, careful uh, that we don't overburden the, the family caregiver. And that's, I think, something our report speaks to. We've now been able to put some numbers around, uh, around that, which we, we didn't have before. And I think that will help uh, policymakers uh, move, uh, move forward on this agenda in Canada. Okay. Now, Changing the focus just a little bit, please tell us about the benefits that family caregivers bring to seniors and to the healthcare system, which itself is faced with the challenge of aging. So, in other words, what are the benefits that family caregivers bring in those sorts of situations? Well, I think it's fair to say that family caregivers bring a substantial amount of, of benefit uh, to the to the person they're caring for, obviously, uh, they uh, they are obviously sensitive and understand the the, the needs that uh, if it's my spouse and what what services I I, I need, how to care for me, uh, how to uh, organize care for me so that my I'm not unnecessarily disruptive uh, when I'm at home. Uh, and uh, really acts uh, in some cases as a voice for the uh, literally the voice for uh, for their loved one. So it's uh, and a lot of this is hard to to measure, but I know from personal experience uh, that the uh, the fa- family caregiver is definitely relied on uh, to take on multiple multiple roles. Uh, and to the healthcare system itself, as I mentioned earlier. The bulk of the care that is provided in uh, in the, the private home is provided by a family caregiver. If the state was to provide that, uh, or 
and tried to manage and organize all that, well, obviously the the logistics and the cost of that would would be obviously uh, quite quite significant, nowhere near the uh, resources that we're currently currently spending. Um, and the healthcare system relies on family caregivers, uh, whether it's the the, uh, the, the family physician uh, or the uh, home care nurse and others to uh, work with the family caregiver in uh, coordinating the, the care that is ultimately uh, provided. So multiple uh, roles, uh, multiple uh, avenues of support, and uh, definitely critical to the overall success of uh, caregiving at home. Right. The benefit to the healthcare system, and you know better than I do, but more and more there's talk about family caregiving saving money for the healthcare system because money is always the challenge and therefore uh, to you it's economical to support family caregiving um, because it keeps the family member out of permanently or at least for an extended time things like um, acute beds in hospitals things like more expensive long-term care. Now, I know your report does deal with this, but could you just say a quick word about the financial benefits to the healthcare system of well, family caregiving? Yes, Gordon. What we've tried and how we've uh, sort of determined it was looking at what, what is the, the value proposition for, for, for home care <laughs> and for, uh, for family caregiving. And uh, we've determined, uh, looked at different, pieces of data and analysis and studies that have been done across the country and, and elsewhere. Uh, and we certainly see that uh, if we have appropriate home care services and family caregivers are supported, then uh, the uh, requirement for people to go to emergency rooms, uh, you know, for our seniors and others to go to emergency rooms comes down quite considerably. Uh, equally true for seniors and others who are discharged from hospital but uh, have, are not ready to, to go home unless there is home care and home supports provided and the family sub- supported. Uh, there are significant uh, savings there. One study in uh, Ontario suggests for every 300 uh, people in that category, there's maybe up to $35 million to be saved and can be re- reallocated on an annual basis to other uh, health care services. So the numbers are quite, uh, quite significant. We look at other countries and how they spend their money around uh, long-term care, home care, and uh, Canada spends an inordinate amount uh, on long-term nursing care than it does for, for home care, and we believe that that does need to change. Okay. So in other words, it sounds like a good investment, this family caregiving viewed from the perspective of the public purse. Yes, and, and as those services are integrated, uh, and it is part of the overall health care system in supporting our, our seniors, then, uh, then I think the, uh, the evidence suggests that that is really where the, the, the payoff is, both in terms of better care and, uh, and uh, sustainability financially. Okay. Now, we're going to have to be relatively short on this, though it's an important question. What are the challenges that family caregivers face in caring for their family members who are aging seniors, and especially the family members who are living with Alzheimer's disease and the health conditions that it generates? What um, what are the challenges, the family caregivers? Well, the primary challenge is that the family caregiver is not provided sufficient support 
uh, in their own right to continue to provide the care. And we know if your uh, uh, spouse has Alzheimer's or other forms of uh, dementia, uh, the big concern you have is definitely, you know, at night when you're trying to rest and is your, is your partner, your spouse, uh, going to stay in bed? Are they going to roam? And without having some support around, uh, around that situation, uh, you're going to tire out very, very quickly. Uh, you're going to become exhausted. You're going to become frustrated, uh, those kinds of things, which serves nobody well. So that's a very good example. So respite services, bringing, uh, allowing sometimes the, uh, the senior or, uh, to go out to uh, a daycare, uh, uh, senior's daycare, those kinds of things, all very small pieces uh, of, of support really go a long way in helping the, uh, the caregiver to uh, remain uh, healthy uh, mentally and, and physically. And just on the question of the challenge to the family caregiver's health, um, if the family caregiver's health uh, deteriorates as a result of all this stress, then that becomes another load on the healthcare system, doesn't it? Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, again, we hear many people speak uh, to that. Uh, they become exhausted uh, physically. They're emotionally, they're, they're become distraught. Uh, they are speaking with their family physician or, or others. Uh, they're requiring care. They're taking medication. Uh, and, yes, it poses a cost, but then additional worry, because you're starting to worry, then can I, in fact, continue to provide the care? And if I don't, who is going to provide it? So there's a compounding stress I think many people obviously listening to this show would, can relate to that. And, and when you examine many of these situations, uh, there are little things that need to be done, whether it's helping uh, housekeeping, transportation, uh, work around the house, bathing, helping in and out of, of bed, those kinds of things. If those were there, then a lot of the pressure is, uh, is relieved and uh, avoids uh, the stressful situations that do arise way too often here. Um, now, I'm just a quick thing to say, and that is I noticed that in one of the scientific journals, New England Journal of Medicine, there's a report on measuring the effectiveness of a new medication on people with Alzheimer's disease. And one of the ways they, they measured the benefits uh, was by examining and uh, uh, diagnosing the family caregivers to see if they were making any improvement as the family member was being helped. And I think that's the, uh, a rather formal uh, way of saying what you've just described is a great, is a particular reality. Yep. Now it is, it is time for us to take the break. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guest is John Abbott. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Is your computer making your life easier or more of a headache? Are you using all of the tools to make your life more productive and less of a stress? You need to listen to the Microsoft Princess Insider with Melanie Goss, dubbed the Microsoft Princess. Melanie has been a certified expert in all things Microsoft since 1998, and her expertise will have you taking back control of your life and letting your computer handle the efficiency of day-to-day projects. The Microsoft Princess Insider airs live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and John Abbott. Our topic is Seniors in Need, Caregivers in Distress. So now let's now talk about the needs of family caregivers and the success stories in helping family caregivers with their needs. And obviously I'm asking John about those stories that the council discovered in its research. So first of all, I want you please to summarize for us the needs of family caregivers caring for seniors. Well, I think we can capture that in that as the uh, health care needs of your senior or the person, the loved one you're taking care of in your home increases, then you need more support. And uh, whether it's through a private agency, public agency, you as a caregiver need more support. And that can take additional hours of, of, of home care. Uh, it can take additional hours of respite. It can take additional or some hours uh, of allowing uh, your 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 spouse or your your parent to go out to a a day quote unquote day care service uh, and it can also uh, see more supports provided by different agencies in the community whether it's the municipality the volunteer group that can come and assist you in some of the, your activities of daily living 
very concrete kinds of, uh, of things that need to happen here and that you don't feel that you're doing this all on your own. Right. I've heard that, John, so often. It's perhaps the first thing that a family caregiver, you know, the diagnosis has just been made. It's like a bolt from the blue in the family. And that sense that they are alone is a very powerful negative factor and it can be addressed. Now, there's something else I'd just like to ask you about in relation to needs. What about information needs? Are family caregivers uh, well enough informed or being well enough informed with the kind of information that they need for their duties? What do you think? I would say, you know, probably not. Uh, Again, uh, the first point, you know, of referral to for, for the, recognizing the need for home care or uh, our referrals from hospital. Around 50% of the cases uh, that require home care is somebody leaving a, a, a hospital. And that very often the hospitals are not positioned to, uh, to advise or pr- provide sufficient information. Many times these things happen very, very quickly. So it is incumbent upon our healthcare system to make sure that our, our, our hospitals and our family doctor's offices and our community health services have sufficient information to provide uh, guidance and, and direction, as it were, and information to uh, family caregivers. Uh, equally important, I think family caregivers have to learn <laughs> and, and, and as well that they do need to reach out and reach in for, for support and for information. Uh, and that doesn't always happen. Sometimes people are reticent to do that, but that really needs to be part and parcel of any uh, uh, any solution here. As more there are more fa- family caregivers and more seniors needing care, then uh, the family caregivers need to uh, to really uh, uh, put up their hand, call, email, what have you, uh, to get the advice and assistance and help uh, that they they that they need. Right. Now, next question then. In what ways and how well are healthcare and social systems helping family caregivers with the various needs that you, you've identified? Well, I think the, the, across Canada and any particular province in Canada right now, we have a uh, patchwork of programs and services. So there's no consistent approach uh, really uh, uh, that meets the needs of, for for our seniors and, and our family caregivers. So that's one thing that our healthcare system uh, collectively uh, needs to, uh, to, to address. Uh, we have some very good practices in different parts of the country that really can and should be emulated, uh, and we can also learn from other parts of the world, whether it's from Denmark or Australia, as, as, as two countries in particular, that are really focused on improving the, the services that they deliver and particularly for, for family caregivers. So we gotta, we got to build up our capacity to provide better, better services, and uh, our provincial and regional and municipal systems need to, to really come together and, uh, and work on this uh, collectively. So would it be fair then to summarize back to you to say it's the services can be patchy and therefore some kind of spreading of knowledge among the service providers might be useful and also that there's a general boost required. Is that a fair summary back to you? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, next question. Uh, This is where the human stories come in. Um, 
please give us examples of success stories about helping family caregivers with the various needs we've talked about. Well, as I just referenced uh, in the previous question, uh, there are across the, you know, the country some good uh, programs and service models that, that are in place that are really meeting the needs of the family caregivers. Uh, we have in Alberta, there is a pilot project uh, where it's referred to as a caregiver support program. So as part of the assessment process of the health needs of the senior in, in, in needing care, they're also doing an assessment of for the of the caregiver's needs, and based on that, are recognized that additional hours of respite need to needed to be provided. So it's very focused, and uh, it's, it's been viewed as uh, successful. And uh, what shows is that the caregiver's emotional and and physical well-being is uh, is improved, and that's really what we need to to see happen here. We see programs in Quebec. Uh, again, where they are making sure that the family caregiver is involved in the assessment and, and planning process for, for their family members. So there's a collective plan, there's information shared. So that's important. And uh, we looked at Australia. Uh, they have a couple of uh, initiatives underway and to support the uh, caregiver. And uh, one's called a caregiver support program. They have a national respite uh, for caregivers uh, uh, initiative where there is a payment uh, or, or care allowance, and they've just uh, announced a national care uh, strategy. So, again, very focused on the, uh, the needs of the, uh, of the caregiver, and that's, uh, that's something we can certainly uh, do more with in, in Canada. Right. Uh, is it right to say that some of the needs perhaps lie outside and beyond the scope or the normal scope of healthcare services. And just to be a bit clearer about what I'm asking, um, I've done an episode with um, somebody who is an expert in finance who advises families. Um, this isn't relation in relation to seniors. This is in relation to children with severe disabilities. And his skill is basically... Um, advising families uh, on the difficult question that they often ask, which is, what will happen to my child when I die? And he sees his job as helping them organize their finances so that um, the child will be looked after. Now, that was a very long-winded prompt, but would it be right to say that there are services like that that lie outside of healthcare that are still needed by family caregivers? And I think, you know, when we talk about the, the home care uh, needs and requirements for, for seniors and, and anybody else, really, uh, it, it's less dealing with the medical traditional health system. It is trying to come up with an, a, a, an approach that uh, looks at restoring the, 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 the needs of the uh, of the per, uh, of the person, so they can stay in their own home, and most of that is around you know, uh, so call it activities of daily living. Uh, is the house designed appropriately? Are there uh, appropriate bathing facilities? Are there appropriate uh, uh, supports, uh, physical supports in, in the home? You know, handrails, those kinds of things, bed rails, uh, in access uh, in and out of the, out of the house or apartment. 
that's what we're talking about is most of the things that need to happen here. And then is, are, the, are there sufficient and appropriate human services, i.e. people who can come and assist the family caregiver in, uh, in either delivering or designing this, the, those types of, of services. So there's a consulting role here. There's an advisory role here. And then at the end of the day, there, there does need to be some uh, persons coming to the home to provide some actual services. It varies for each case, and that's why an assessment and a care plan is, is critical. And without that, then, uh, you know, we're, we're not really doing service to either the, the person requiring the care or, or the family caregiver. Right. So it is right to say, then, we're talking about, uh, and your, your word was, services that aren't really fundamentally medical, although they may w well involve medical things, but rather are looking at the life space um, of the family, given the burden of the care that they're providing. Is that a fair summary? Yes, and I think the easiest part, if I can use that expression here, is actually identifying and assessing the medical nursing need uh, because it's such a limited part of this and there's a lot of uh, the health system is geared to, to provide that, that service uh, and we're doing well on most fronts on that score in Canada, but where the system is uh, not adequately providing the services required is in these other areas, which is once the, the nurse leaves, what happens for the next, uh, you know, uh, 22 hours? Yeah. I um, listened to um, a guest who is a retired firefighter looking after his wife, and he, he made clear that she's unfortunately well down the road of Alzheimer's disease. And he was describing what he did, does, and it's on air. And there was a point at which he choked up. And what, it was, what had overtaken him was not grief or not anger or any frustration. It was that he never really heard himself describing what he did and it, it affected him emotionally in a very positive way. And his co-guest was equally moved. So in other words, there are these stories yes. uh, that are inspiring. And, you know, I sometimes wonder if we should be looking for some kind of award for duty for these people. Anyway, it is now. I won't ask you that as a question yet. It is time for us to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley. My guest is John Abbott. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. 
Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and John Abbott. Our topic is Seniors in Need, Caregivers in Distress. Now, that's the name of the Healthcare Council of Canada's uh, recent report, which we're talking about. So, John, please would you summarize for us the Council's recommendations? Well, Gordon, what we did here in our report obviously covered a lot of, lot of material, a lot of data, a lot of interviews, uh, and we've summarized it, we've identified, we've I think in, the, in our system here in Canada, we have probably four or five existing challenges, and as a result, we come up with sort of a series of, uh, of recommendations. And in terms of existing challenges, we're certainly saying we still need to make sure we are providing the appropriate support for family caregivers. Uh, we need to make sure we can recruit and retain a, a quality uh, health care and home care and personal service workers for to support family caregivers. We need to accept that uh, family, uh, excuse me, home care is valued uh, in its own right, and that it is the most economical and appropriate uh, means to provide uh, care to many of our seniors who want to stay at home. We got to inc- integrate all the services uh, so that uh, we do have a continuum here. Uh, and that home care is critical uh, to that. And we need to do further research around the most appropriate types of services, how to support family caregivers uh, in particular, because that's an area that's relatively uh, little research done. And in terms of our recommendations, uh, again, we see home care as really the cornerstone now of our uh, future health care system. We need to make sure we have ongoing supports in a tangible way for family caregivers, uh, we need to really adapt and adopt what's working best in Canada and elsewhere and put that in practice right away. And finally, uh, we need to uh, really invest uh, and reallocate more resources to providing home care and support for uh, family caregivers before we in- invest in even more nursing home beds. We really need to make sure we got the system right before we embark on any major uh, expansion in the physical infrastructure, such as nursing homes or hospitals, for that matter. Please summarize for us the message for the healthcare system and governments. Well, our message to to governments on this is uh, 
recognizing that there are a lot of challenges in our uh, healthcare system from from province to province to province, but the issue around home care is all pervasive. It cuts across all provinces, all healthcare systems. That we now need to see and make that a really a, a fundamental cornerstone now of how we're going to uh, move our healthcare system forward. Because if we get home care right. Uh, then it takes pressure off emergency rooms, it takes pressure off our family physicians, it takes pressure off our nursing homes, and uh, it is really what Canadians are saying they want uh, for their families, for their loved ones, and uh, that's, uh, you know, that's why wouldn't you, uh, you know, go, go in that uh, direction in any event. So that's really what, uh, what we're saying here, and we think there's sufficient evidence uh, now and practice to uh, to support that direction. Same question, but for family caregivers. So, what's your message for family caregivers, John? Please. Well, again, we're saying they need to be uh, as part of the assessment process that their needs definitely have to be assessed as well. And so, whatever care plan is put in place for a senior has to include the family caregiver and the appropriate uh, resources uh, put in place. Because if we do that, we uh, the family caregiver then, who is providing the bulk of the service, is seen as supportive, feeling that, that they're not alone, that they have support, and will uh, avoid being uh, stressed and, and uh, in some cases uh, will stop them from uh, really uh, falling into care themselves. Uh, and, and related to that is uh, the whole aspect of allowing the family caregiver to continue to have a, a life as well. And we can't overlook the value of, of that, and we don't want their independence to be, uh, to be compromised. Just on that last point of them having a life for themselves, a way that it, I've heard it put is that if the family caregiver's health breaks down uh, or they become so tired or so consumed with the stress then they're really not going to be able to deliver the service that they want to deliver to their family members. So I guess you'd agree with that. Oh, yes, and uh, that's, uh, that's critical here because if the family caregiver uh, can no longer provide the care, uh, then the only alternative then generally is that the, their, their, their family member, their, their spouse, their their father or mother uh, will end up probably in a nursing home um, facility. And that's not, and that becomes more costly. It's not what anybody necessarily wants at the end of the day. But, but respecting, you know, a choice, some people do want that, and that's, that's, that's no, no issue here. Uh, but it is if they prefer and want to stay at home, then obviously we should uh, uh, try to make sure we put all, you know, pull out all the stops to allow that to happen. So really what it comes to, um, I'm just summarizing a little bit back to you, is that it's in everybody's interest that family caregivers and family caregiving be promoted strongly, being that it should be encouraged, and because it seems right for everybody, or m almost everybody, or many people, who want to stay at home and be looked after by their own. And that reflects the point that family caregiving, as I'm never tired of saying, uh, predates all everybody's healthcare system by millenniums upon millenniums. And therefore, um, we 
should not turn our back on something which is so fundamental to the society we live in. And when we look across the world, it's obvious that family caregiving, not just in Canada, but in all, in all manner of countries, regardless of the level of development, that family caregiving um, has, has a continuing place to play. Place yes, Yes, and I think in Canada we need to recognize this as a societal value uh, and that we need then to make sure we have the public policies and appropriate funding in place to, to support that uh, and building on the strength of the family to, uh, to want and to continue to provide care to, to their family member. And that's, uh, that, that will be essential if we, uh, if we want to see uh, progress in this area. Right. The only comment I'm just going to add to emphasize something, I think the information component is necessary because I often hear that. That is, um, we really don't know what we're dealing with. The doctor tried to explain it to us but was busy. That's not meant as a criticism. Or we weren't fully understanding what it all meant and we needed time to think about it and ask again. So the idea of a system of information that's intelligible to family caregivers is something that I think uh, needs attention, not instead of other things, but as well as the kind of things you've been talking about. Um, so on that point, uh, I'm afraid the time is coming for our close. And first off, I want to say thank you very much to um, our listeners. I want to say a particular thank you to you, John, for not just talking about the... Um, uh, the, the the report and uh, public administration and things of that nature, but actually talking about real things that really matter to real people at a time when healthcare itself is under stress. So all I can say to you is every success to you in your work in bringing attention to family caregivers and the needs of uh, family caregiving because we all agree they're important and they're people who matter to us and they're people who matter to their families and there are people who matter to the healthcare system. So, all strength to you. Well, now in our, you. You're very welcome. Now, in our next episode, listeners, please, we're going to be talking about autonomy for persons with psychosis-related illnesses and their family caregivers. So, please join us, same time, same spot, on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.